What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actor Jesse Eisenberg and the third season of Stranger Things. I want to start off this podcast, though, by talking about actor Jesse Eisenberg. He is one of my favorite actors ever. If you are not a fan of Jesse Eisenberg, I don't know what your problem is. I think he's the most relatable actor out there for me. I see the kind of characters he plays. He's wordy, funny. There's a scene in a movie with Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart where Kristen Stewart calls Jesse Eisenberg character a deer in headlights. That's probably something that's seen in all of the characters that Jesse Eisenberg plays. These socially awkward guys. He played Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network, that's what he's most famous for. In Zombieland, he plays a character who's never fallen in love before, and he's falling in love with Emma Stone for the first time. In Adventureland, he's a character who's, again, never fallen in love before. He's naive about it. Most of his characters, he's naive about a lot of things. In The Squid and the Whale, he's naive about divorce. I say that's a common theme in most of the early, and maybe even later, Jesse Eisenberg performances that I love so much, is he's naive about the world around him. But yet he's always a nice character. He's always, he's a weird example of a great leading actor. He's not Brad Pitt. He's not confident star leading actor material, but in these thought-provoking movies that are about some things. He's an interesting leading man, and if there is a Jesse Eisenberg movie out there, I am going to sit down and watch them, because they are all different. He is doing different things in each movie. There is a movie, The End of the Tour. It's about... It's about author David Foster Wallace, and in it, Jesse Eisenberg plays David Lipsky, who is also an author, and he interviews... Just uh, He interviews Jason Siegel's character, David Foster Wallace, at the end of a book tour. It is one of the best movies ever. And Jesse Eisenberg is so good at playing these smart people that don't quite get it. In this movie, Jesse Eisenberg's character is trying to get to a point where Jason Siegel's character, David Foster Wallace, is at. They are two authors. One is already famous, and Jesse Eisenberg's character is trying to become famous. And just the way Jesse Eisenberg plays this guy who's super smart, but just doesn't get it. And I think he also plays that brilliantly in The Social Network. We all know that Mark Zuckerberg is a super smart, super brilliant guy who's a billionaire. But when it comes to life and people, he just doesn't get it. I think that's a common thing, common theme in Jesse Eisenberg's work. Him playing the smart, witty, likable characters that doesn't quite get the people around him. There is this wonderful comedy that nobody seems to enjoy but me called 30 Minutes or Less. It starred Jesse Eisenberg with Aziz Ansari. And Jesse Eisenberg plays this pizza delivery guy who who's basically wasting his life away. And then all of a sudden he, he has to rob a bank because a bomb is connected to him. It's a really weird comedy directed by Ruben Flesher, the same guy who directed Zombieland. This movie is so weird. There is a scene where Jesse Eisenberg takes the bomb to a school to get help from Aziz Ansari. That is just some of the naivete of Jesse Eisenberg. I think it's something I want more in my leading characters, this naive behavior. He's also paired with Kristen Stewart three times in some of the best movies I've ever seen. Him and Kristen Stewart were in Adventureland. That is the best summer movie of all time. I know it's summer season. He was in Cafe Society, where he is great and she is great. They they were also in another movie 
They are one of the best duos. They are in the Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone pantheon of great duos in movies, of great couples in movies. If Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart are in a movie together, you should go and see that movie. There is something, the tone of a Jesse Eisenberg movie is just something that I'm here for. There is this movie, The Double, where he plays two characters. One is Simon, a not-so-confident guy. And the way he plays the confident guy and the not-confident guy, it's just so interesting. I think he's one of the most fascinating actors out there. He can be in these small movies like Now You See Me. And then he was in this movie that same year called Night Moves where he plays somebody who's a who's an environmentalist, who's extreme environmentalist and not a very likable character, but yet an equally compelling performance. I love the work of Jesse Eisenberg. And I think more people should love the work. It makes zero sense to me why he's only been nominated for one Oscar, and that's for The Social Network. He should have got a nomination for The Double. He should have got a nomination for The End of the Tour. And even what he does in Cafe Society, playing these guys who are trying to make it in the world, and they can do it with so little. Like, his character in Cafe Society is a guy whose brother is a gangster. He runs this, um, he runs this, like, cafe. He runs this New York restaurant. And he just builds from nothing. The same way that Mark Zuckerberg's guy can build from nothing. For some reason to me, it's very believable that Jesse Eisenberg is always a smart guy who can build something amazing out of nothing. But his, he's socially awkward in everything. Again, his chemistry with other actresses in, in Zombieland with Emma Stone, in the double with Mia Wasikowska, in the end of the tour with Jason Segel, it, it, He's, he just has insane chemistry, again, with Kristen Stewart, again, in The Squid and the Whale with Jeff Daniels. He builds these extremely awkward characters that are just so... I, I just can't even describe how much I like Jesse Eisenberg's acting. Again, he did Batman vs. Superman. He gets dissed by that. His performance in that, to me, is more of a Riddler-like performance than a Lex Luthor-type performance. But he is not the reason that movie is bad, and he's not even near the top of the list. But the fact that Jesse Eisenberg can be in these super Batman vs. Superman movies, these Now You See Me's, and still do smaller movies like The End of the Tour, like Adventureland. I mean, his coming out was Zombieland and The Social Network. Those are two of the best movies of the past 20 years. And his relationship with Woody Harrelson, he's in that, that movie with him, is going to be a Zombieland sequel. He's been in the Now You See Me movies with Woody Harrelson. The acting style of Jesse Eisenberg is just so unique. There's no other actor out there that's like that. People make the Woody Allen comparisons. I, I think they just make that because he's been in some Woody Allen movies. There is no actor like Jesse Eisenberg to me. And people can say he does a lot of the same things in the movie, but I think what he's doing in The Squid and the Whale is so different than what he's doing in Adventureland and so different than what he's doing in The Social Network. Sometimes he can play these characters that are morally corrupt and just don't know it, like Mark Zuckerberg might be in The Social Network. But then in Adventureland, he can play these characters that is trying to get somewhere and he realizes that he's doing it wrong in the end. Like, he can fix himself in the end. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he can play these characters that are more morally bankrupt, but then at the end, they become great people, like that character in Adventureland, I mean, that was somebody who was just faking it all of his life, and then all of a sudden realized, you know what I mean, like, he can play 
complicated, complete characters. The the acting performance in the double is nuts. It's one of the best acting performances ever. The per- acting performance in the end of the tour is so different from that in Cafe Society. These are the movies you have to see. This is a list of movies of Jesse Eisenberg's movies you have to see. The Squid and the Whale, Adventureland, The Social Network, Zombieland, 30 Minutes or Less, Now You See Me, Night Moves the Double, The End of the Tour, and Cafe Society. Get on the Jesse Eisenberg train because he is one of my all-time favorite actors. And he is just so consistent with what he's doing. And yeah, you can say, oh, it's just another smart Jesse Eisenberg character. That is what I am here for. I am here for smart, witty, sharp characters played by Jesse Eisenberg because he is so well at doing it. And they are so different. I mean, what he did in The Social Network, it's one of the great rhymes of the 21st century that he did not receive an Academy Award for his portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg. He was nominated, but he did not win. He should have won that that year for that. And again, movies like Zombieland, 30 Minutes or Less is so underrated. It's hysterical. It does what it's set out to do. He can be in those silly movies like that, and he can also be in these serious movies like The Squid and the Whale, Dealing with Divorce. That's like his first semi-big movie. Jesse Eisenberg is one of my favorite actors, and he should definitely be one of yours. He's a brilliant actor, and I'm looking forward to what he does next because he's just so good. He can write. He's smart. He's one of the most consistent actors out there. I love every movie he's basically done. Big fan of Jesse Eisenberg, and you should be too. Jackson, let's talk about the third season of Stranger Things. I'm going to talk about what I liked and what I didn't like, but I'm not going to give any spoilers. We are back in Hawkins, Indiana for this season. Let's talk about what I like. The new character. The new character shines. Robin, Maya Hawk. I thought this was an... She is arguably the second best female character for me. Nancy is number one. I think Max didn't quite work out as well as Robin did. I think Robin is what Max should have been. So I think if Robin was in season two... It would have worked better there. Listen, Robin works now and Max works now, so it's fine. But I do believe that Robin is the second best female character besides Elle. Because I'm not really counting Elle in this. She's like the lead of the show. When it comes to secondary female characters, to me, see, she is the second best character. It goes her and then Max. I think she upstaged Max in this season. I think she was more compelling. I think she was, she fit in more with the group. They had more of a, I mean, for season two, it was like, oh, who's that cool girl, Max? She should join our group. There was no real reason. This at least makes sense. Robin works in an ice cream shop. Steve works in an ice cream shop. She's going to be part of the group. That made sense to me. Just because there's some girl in a class with us who's weird too. Like That whole thing really didn't work out that great for season two. So I, I just thought they fit Robin better with the group than they fit Max with. And I think she's a more compelling and interesting character. And I don't see most people would disagree with that. I don't. Um, the next thing, Millie Bobby Brown and Finn Wolfhard. Millie Bobby Brown plays L. Finn Wolfhard plays Mike. They have insane chemistry. I think it's one of the most underrated things of the show. When those two are alone, their scenes are compelling, interesting. They seem to have a history together. Of course, this is the third season of the show, and they should. But it is hard and sometimes not interesting. If you watch most Disney and Nickelodeon shows... Most kid actors or teen actors are not as interesting as these two. I think they have some insanely good chemistry. And the scenes with them are some of the best scenes in the show. Now, the best duo in the show goes to Dustin and Steve. 
Joe Carey and Gatton are the best duo the show has to offer. More Dustin and Steve, please. They 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 magically found this pairing in season two. I heard the creators, the Duffer brothers say they didn't intend for this to be a pairing. It is the thing that's making the show more interesting to me. And it's the reason why this show could go beyond a season one or a season two is because they found these kind of duos. The Dustin and Steve duo is accidental. I've read somewhere that Steve was supposed to die in season one and just be the 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 overly jerky boyfriend in season one that most 80s movies had but he developed into something and you found a duo with him Dustin and Dustin always feels like the fifth wheel of his main group but you were able to find a character like Dustin who's a secondary character combined him with a secondary character like Steve and you found you form this great bond of these two characters and they're the best duo in the show and it gives you a reason to keep them around. It gives you a reason to keep them around and make them a major part of the plot because if they didn't have each other, they wouldn't be interesting. Now let's talk about David Harbour as Hopper. This is clearly the role that David Harbour was meant to play. Hellboy didn't quite work out for him. And by the way, I'm just going to point out, I didn't think it would. But him as Hopper just works out because he can play these scenes so big and so ridiculously. But because we've seen him in season one and season two do it, he can go bigger and bigger in season three. And we're just, it's just, everyone's loving it. He can't do that in these Hellboy movies. I don't think he can do that outside of things, outside of the Stranger Things world. I don't think he quite fits. He can't be the lead in other things. I think when he goes back to movies and once Stranger Things is over, he goes back to being a a, a supporting character in movies and maybe another lead in a TV show. But his career works best as Hopper because, again, he can have these over-these-top moments where he's mad at their Russian translator when he's mad at Billy Bobby Brown for not closing the door. He can just play these outrageous moments and be so over-the-top that we're all eating it up and loving it. But when you do that outside of the Stranger Things universe... I don't think it quite works out as well, and I don't think we're going to love David Harbour outside of the Hopper role. I know that's sad for his career development, but I think it works for the show because it's just the type of thing that this kind of show needs is that adult who's going bonkers while everything else is going bonkers around him. Now, speaking on 80s icon Winona Ryder, I think her development as Joyce has been different than Hopper's because I think she's developed more. She is more than just the worried mom of season one. She is starting to find out that when weird things are happening, she understands that they're weird. She's not just frantic about it. I think season one was kind of annoying because she was just frantic. Season two was kind of annoying because she was just frantic. I think in season three, she really developed a more important role in the show, trying to be uh, solve the problem rather than just frantically afraid of the problem. I think she fits best in this season, which was one of the huge issues I had with season one and season two, because even though I know that's great acting by Winona Ryder, it can be annoying at times how annoying she is about Will and worrying about him. I think that can come off as annoying sometimes. So the development of that and the fact that she's she's even lost a boyfriend, Bob, and the fact that she's gone through these things, maybe it's not really that believable why she's not as worried. But maybe it's because she's gone through that. I mean, we could have a serious argument about whether or not Joy should be a more worried and frantic person. But I just think for the sake of the show and for the direction of the show, it's better that they went to this. She's not worried about what's going on in Hawkins, Indiana. She's not worried about the mind flare will all the time. I think, yes, maybe for the show, it doesn't quite make much sense why she's not more worried based on what's happened the first two seasons of the show to her son. But Again, for the, for the good of the show, I think it's good that they've gone this direction 
with the show. Now I want to talk about the creators of the show, the Duffer Brothers, Ross and Matt Duffer. They have created one of the best shows ever, and it's because of their use of nostalgia is brilliant, and it's used in a way that it serves a purpose. I think their use of nostalgia serves a purpose. There's a season in the show... I mean, there are moments in these shows where they talk about movies like Back to the Future and they talk about the never-ending story. I'm not going to tell you how they use those movies, but they do. And I just think the way that they use are nostalgic. Yes, it's annoying the sequel world that we live in, going back to the 90s. And it's kind of annoying to me that the movies I grew up with, Aladdin and Lion King, are now back in theaters instead of original stories by Disney. It's kind of annoying. But when used in a way that serves a purpose to a new story, I think that's more fun than just watching the 90-minute Lion King again. Just saying. I think there's a way of using nostalgia in a good way, and I think there's a way of using it to just, let's remake that movie. I think the way that the Duffer Brothers is the way that most people should go about doing it. Disney and Netflix shouldn't want to recreate things. They should want to use things that have been made to make their things better. And they can reference these things. The fact that things like Back to the Future can be referenced in this. And Ghostbusters was referenced last season. You can reference things. Don't use those things. Don't use nostalgia as an annoying thing. Use it as a tool. And I think the Duffer Brothers have done that brilliantly. Use use actors from the 80s that we liked. Don't... You know what I mean? Like the fact that... They use a bunch of actors from the 80s in supporting characters is interesting to me. Paul Reiser, who's famous for Aliens and Mad About You, can be in a small part in the show. And that that these guys, Joseph Fiennes, can be in this season of the show. And he can fit into the season. And you can go, oh, that's so cool that that guy I know is in this show. But it's not taking away from the overall plot. There's a way of using nostalgia that's good. And there's a way of using nostalgia that's bad. And I think this show's best tool is the way that they use it. It just works for the overall tone of the show. More things should do it this way, and not just recreating things to recreate things. Another few things about the show, the CGI is great this season, but I, I want to talk about what I didn't like about the season. The show has a growing Will issue. Will Byers, Noah Schapp. Listen, he had great purpose in season one and season two, but now I think he's become the Doug. And what I mean by that is in The Hangover, Doug was a key thing in the hangover for those of you who haven't seen the comedy hangover they lose doug in the hangover and the whole movie is about trying to find doug so the first two seasons of stranger things was about finding will what's wrong with will who's abducted will what's inside of will it was about will but it wasn't really about will like we didn't have to spend that much time with will now in this season we had to spend time with Will, and that's like spending time with Doug in the Hangover 2 or 3. We don't really want to spend time with Doug. He just needs to be part of the plot. We don't really want him around. Will was around this season, and he was just being Will. And the sad fact of the matter is, I don't really care that much about being around Will. He's not as interesting as Mike. He's not as interesting as Elle. He's not as interesting as Lucas. He's not as interesting as Dustin. He's not even as interesting as Billy. I'm sorry. He's just not that interesting. That is a growing issue of the show. And it's not the best season for Jonathan and Nancy. I thought they were underused. I thought there was this weird Superman Lois Lane thing going on that they work at the paper for some reason. I know he had a camera in season one. Jonathan did and he got beaten up by Steve and he broke his camera. I get it. But I never really saw it going this way. It's interesting it's fine i just thought there wasn't enough key moments for that relationship in this season and i didn't find that interesting 
Now I want to talk about Billy. His growth is interesting and fascinating and why they went down that way, but maybe it's a little confusing to me. I don't really know how the personal side of Billy matches with what goes on with Billy. I'm not going to reveal what happens with Billy. I was just a little confused by those plot points. Why? I I found like it was a trope to use Billy as a mechanism of the bad guy, let's say. And I just thought that that was weird and kind of confusing and kind of a cliche. I thought it was obvious and maybe they should have gone on a less obvious note listen it was it was a really good season i don't think it's his best season i think it's his second best season right now i rank it season one's its best season three's its second best season two's its third best listen i've only seen it one time i'll probably rewatch it but that's my order at this moment i think it's one of the best shows i've ever seen there are things about it i like there are things about it i don't like that's with most things But it is the best show Netflix has ever made. It's not House of Cards. It's not Orange is the New Black. It is Stranger Things. It has made superstars out of Finn Wolfhard. He's in the It movies. It has made stars out of Millie Bobby Brown. There's a rumor she's going to be in the next Marvel Eternals movie. I mean, they have made superstars. I mean, they have made stars that the other shows haven't. The Duffer Brothers are like the the Russo Brothers of Netflix, basically. They are it for Netflix. It is a franchise-type thing. And I think one or two more seasons will be enough. Because I do think that the eight-episode arc is getting kind of weary. But I do think there's an interesting note that this show might be getting out of Hawkins, Indiana. If you finish the season, you'll realize that this show might be going in new directions. And for me, that's something interesting. Now, could it revive it next season to make me want more and more? We will have to see. But for now, I think one or two more seasons will do. But I do think this is absolutely one of the best shows ever. And it is definitively the best show Netflix has ever made. Stranger Things is the best show Netflix has ever made, period. It's not even close to me. And for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight, I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. In this edition of the podcast, I spotlighted actor Jesse Eisenberg in the third season of Stranger Things. Next week, I'm talking about actress Natalie Portman and the new Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. So listen to that, tune into this, and please rate, review, and subscribe. 